step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and uh, it's been a little rough for the Nashville Predators. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was a beautiful song. I have not heard that one. Yeah, it's not going to get nominated. Uh, it's, (laughs) It's been a little rough going for the Nashville Predators of late. I know it's been, I can't imagine how frustrating it is as a fan. I mean, as a media member, I'm sure it's frustrating just to see the things that you know they could be doing and not executing on. And yeah. as a fan, there's obviously expectations there to at least be competitive in games. And then you get frustrated when you see them on the first two road trips, play the two teams from the Stanley cup final and you get demolished by them. Uh, yeah. and it's, I mean, there's not a better word really to say that the scoreboard lies in a couple of these games. Uh, they've been a third period and only a third period only team in a couple mm-hmm. of these games and have been undisciplined at times as well. And it's just bitten them in the, in the butt as well but but glenn from the fan perspective just watching some of these games are what what has been your take on this um i think that it's understandable i mean i've seen a lot of people use the word disappointed um and i think that that is perfectly fair considering like you just said when you watch a team for however long you've been a fan um and you and you know what they're capable of you know the players you know the core you know, the youth. Now, I know that we had talked about, you know, the youth movement and developing all these younger players and bringing them in. But right now, that's not really what's happening. We're seeing a lot of the core players um, and it's and they're not they're not producing. They're not doing those little right things that we've seen them do, even at the start of the season that we saw them do. I mean, you have to know how to shut down the stamkosis of this league um, or else you're going to lose every time. You know, and you're going to make those little mistakes we saw in the game, um, the last game against Tampa, when they lost five to two. We saw Tenorti out of position, which led to a goal, and then Stamkos comes in with the fourth goal, and and you have to know how to shut those those opportunities down, or else you're going to be on the losing end every time. So it's it's tough to watch, um, but I also know that fans can be hopeful because. They, they have something. This team has something. We've seen it. Um, but it's just a matter of how long it's going to take for them to figure that out in this shortened season. Well, and especially when we look at special teams, that's been mm-hmm. one of the frustrating parts there too, because again, I don't know how many times we've said it on the show. All you have to be is average. Yeah. <laughs> if if yeah. they could just be average on special teams, it'd make a difference. And now mm-hmm. granted, not against necessarily Dallas or Tampa because they're just overall we're better teams in those games, but there's going to be other games in the future where if they were just average in special teams on the power play and the penalty kill and mm-hmm. producing in the power play at an average rate at a league average or killing off penalties at a league average, that's going to make a difference of one or two goals. And they're going to lose games by one or two goals where yep. special teams would make an absolute difference. That is the frustrating part. And I asked head coach John Hines today, about the power play 
and obviously penalty kills getting stressed and I didn't there's no other new question to ask about that because they just they need to make it better and the players need to execute mm-hmm. on the power play we see them running the same formations and the same structure all the time but not as much creativity and and I, I asked him I was like is this you can only do so much as a coach does mm-hmm. it come down to the players to be able to execute and how do you encourage them to be creative on it and it made me feel good that he said you're right Justin a lot mm-hmm. of it does come down to the players just executing and not being stale and stagnant and moving around more. Like that made me feel good in terms of as an analyst that he's seen a lot of that too, that it comes down to the players being a little more creative and they have to be, and the coaches have to encourage that. So then it's the falls back on the coaches to how to encourage them to be more creative in the power play instead of just this, instead of the Simpsons look when Simpsons mm-hmm. make fun of soccer mm-hmm. where it's pass, pass, pass oh and yeah. back back that way and pass and pass and point <laughs> oh, shot look at that. there's a yeah, pass there's another pass that's like that's what it seems like it, it gets stale and boring and then some every once in a while you see all of a sudden oh hey they're generating opportunities they went to the net they utilize the guy in the center on the one three one okay mm-hmm. it's it's that kind of thing too the players have to execute on the power play as well and that yeah it falls on coaching staff to be able to encourage that but they can only set up so much then the players have to go out and they have to perform that's been one of those issues too is that there are plenty of players on this team that have underperformed in so many different ways and they know it and that it's getting out of their own heads as well yeah. i mean matt duchene has been doing so many good things it, yes folks he's been doing so many good things at generating opportunities you just got to make it fall mm-hmm. and it's going to come to a point where it, it just it has to happen you 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 it should happen because when you're generating that many opportunities things should start to fall in place for you and then when they don't, then it's frustrating and it becomes a problem, but he seems to have a good attitude about it, but he's generating offense. Ryan Johansson doesn't seem like there's been a lack of effort necessarily, but things just haven't fallen in place for him. And that's obviously frustrating. Luckily, Mikhail Grenlin has been producing at a good rate. <clears throat> Philip Forsberg's been producing at a pretty good rate as well. So, <clears throat> excuse and me, I, it's going to be very curious to see how they are able to adapt to that. Yeah, and I think that you had spoke to Yossi, I think you asked him about the penalties. Um, and he acknowledged the fact that they've got to be more disciplined. He said himself included. Um, sometimes they can get a little bit over aggressive and they've got to get that discipline. And that goes back to the structure. When you see them swaying away from that, it's going to become a problem. It, it absolutely is. So they have another, it's a, it's a good middle test in terms of litmus mm-hmm. testing against Florida Panthers coming up in another back-to-back opportunity. So quick turnarounds there in Florida. And so now we'll see what do they do? Are they, are they more organized on things? They, John Hines said they practice a lot on the power play in Florida today, that they did a lot of practice on that. And we'll see if we see any differences there too. Ellie Tolvin is another one. I think there's a good reason for him to stay up because why not? And Kelly Yarnker potentially be entering back into the lineup. Brad Richardson going on the IR. So different changes in lineup. That's where depth is very important for the squad, but got to reward guys like Ellie Tolvin because he was doing a lot of the right things, stepping right in there after missing the, all the first part of the season uh, as well. Which so it's not easy to do. I can only imagine. Especially as a, um, as a young guy like that young, too. Exactly. That's exactly <clears throat> what I thought was going. Um, you know, you've missed that much time. And I think this was his first goal since what was it? 2018? December um, 1st, <clears throat> 2018. Yeah. In the NHL. So it's just, I mean, that's huge that, this organization has players that can step up like that, but overall you have to have everybody out there on board. And at times it's looked, it's looked undisciplined. Um, I think more so in the last few games than we saw in the beginning, uh, those first few games, I think we saw a lot of promise and now it kind of feels like in some ways 
some players are backpedaling and not everybody is on that same page. So like you said, it's good that they're, that they're practicing the power play a lot in Florida. And it's, we can only hope that we're going to start to see results from that soon. And we'll, we won't have an opportunity to talk as much about that tonight because, well, we have a stacked show. I mean, we're going to talk about the Florida Panthers to preview that series coming up. We're going to talk high school hockey because that is a, a big thing going on. I mean, the playoffs is down to the final four teams, the last two teams in the Hind Cup, and then the last two teams in the Preds Cup playing for the state championship. I mean, Brent was going for a four-peat. That's huge right there. I mean, they, they, they've overcome a lot of things to, to get back to there to play NBA, J.P. Dumont's NBA team, and then also the Wish Cup, which is a charity hockey event as well for Make-A-Wish Foundation. So we have a lot of hockey to talk about tonight because, hey, we're not just about the Predators. We're about hockey in general, right, Glenn? All hockey. All hockey. All hockey in Music City. So all of that coming up next. But first, let's talk to Katie Gauze of – Fox Sports Florida about the Florida Panthers and a little bit on the NWHL. Unfortunately, obviously the, the season postponed a little bit, but she had a great experience covering that. A lot of viewership on Twitch and just really good for the importance of, of growing the women's game uh, when it comes to that. So that's all next year on Penalty Box here at ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here in ESPN 1025 The Game. Really excited for our next guest. Joining us now is Katie Gauze of Fox Sports Florida. Also just recently finished covering the Isabel Cup for the NWHL. So lots of great experiences going on for her right now. Katie, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. Excited to be chatting hockey in all forms. Absolutely. So in the midst of everything that's been going on, you've obviously been very, very busy. Just what have the past couple of weeks been like for you in terms of the NHL season starting and the NWHL season going? Yeah, it's certainly been a whirlwind. Obviously with the Panthers, we had a lot of turnover on our team. So I was learning a lot of new players and a lot of their stories. Then when I found out I was going to be covering the NWHL, that was six teams. And I didn't know any of those players. So needless to say, some long days and a lot of uh, elite prospects and a lot of digging into backstories. But uh, it's been really great. And at the end of the day, good hockey happening both in the NHL and the NWHL. So I've been busy, but very entertained. And Katie, I want to jump into the Florida Panthers. Hot start, 5-0-1 right now. Um what are you seeing so far? I know it's a very, very small sample size, so we're going to be generally speaking just with what we've seen so far. What are your overall thoughts on what they're doing right and how is this going to be sustainable for them uh, for this upcoming shortened season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly a smaller sample size than most teams. The Panthers ran into some COVID issues with their opponents very early on, but uh, you know, I give the team a lot of credit between all the practices. They've really been able to you know, continue to keep up their intensity in terms of what they're doing right, what I really like is just this group has a totally different vibe and a, just a competitiveness that we really haven't seen before, despite what's happening on the ice, you know, whether they're down, whether they're tied, anything, they are playing the same way. They're very consistent. They're all very accountable. And we actually talked to Anton Strawman this morning and he was pretty much asked this same question and he said, I just think we're really playing as a team, you know, for the first time since I've been here, it really feels like we're all playing together. We're all pushing for the same thing. And again, small sample size, but those are the kinds of things that should translate, you know, into, into the rest of the season. And I know we've got some hard games coming up uh, before we, you know, get this little home stretch. So uh, certainly if that can continue, I think we're going to be in a really good spot. And wanted to talk some of the additions to the Florida Panthers in the offseason, uh, connections to Nashville, and also your connection with Pittsburgh. 
Patrick Hornquist and what he's yeah. been able to bring to this team. And he's tied in a four-way tie for the team lead in terms of points. And obviously it looks like a little refreshing start for him. Five goals, two assists in those six games the Panthers have played. What has he brought to this team that maybe they didn't have in the past? Oh yeah. When we, when, when I found out Hornquist was coming to join us, I was just beyond excited. I got to cover him when I was in Pittsburgh working there and just, just an incredible human being. Uh, and, and he brings things on the ice, but off the ice as well. You know, he, he's already been named an assistant captain, just kind of a tribute to the leadership that he brings with his experience to Stanley Cup, but just his work ethic and, and, and his constant energy and compete, I think is really infectious and is already sort of just spread around the room. They're all really picking up on, you know, what he brings to the, to the, to the game. And, and, and on the ice, he's sort of that missing piece in terms of that net front presence that we haven't had before. His ability to tip pucks in, be a big body in front of the net and battle and, and take hits has been instrumental to the success of our power play. And, and I mean, he's got the goals to show for it, but, you know, really can't say enough good things about what he's brought to this team on and off the ice. Again, Katie Gauze of Fox Sports Florida joining us here on Penalty Box Radio. And I, I know a lot of people in Nashville still miss Hornquist's presence. It's been years, but they miss having that guy that's going to the net and who's always just willing to have a good attitude about things, too. And that you ask him anything, he's like, yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I miss that so much. He can have a broken a leg. Yeah, it's just a scratch. It's just, just a scratch. A scratch. <laughs> he's in a boot yeah. during preseason. He's wearing a boot, signing autographs. Like, oh, it's just a scratch. Like, okay, Patrick, we understand. <laughs> so another one of those additions, and it's a kind of an in-state one. He came over from winning the Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay is Carter Verhage, and he's obviously producing just as well. And it's one of those things that he was acquired because they didn't offer him in, in Tampa. There were salary cap problems, things like that. So he found a new home just a few hours south. What has it been like adding him to the roster? Yeah, he was sort of in a situation in Tampa where there's just so much talent and not enough money to go around. And even with the opportunities that he was getting there, he was sort of, you know, backlogged into that lower, you know, back six role. He wasn't able to really play those top minutes with some top players. So bringing him in here, you know, for low money and, and just to be able to have an opportunity to prove himself has been incredible. And, and essentially everything we thought he might have been capable of, but weren't sure he's starting to prove it already when we're giving him those minutes and we're giving him those power play opportunities, he's playing on the top line Barkov and Duclair. I mean, just name a better opportunity for a, for a young player. And you really can't. And, and you know, he's proven himself in the AHL, which, you know, it, it's a different league, but, but it, the scoring ability is there. And I think we're only starting to see the, the very tip of the iceberg with what for can bring us but he's definitely quickly becoming one of the fan favorites in terms of just scoring and really having a flashy fun style to play and we love watching it and last question regarding the Panthers we move on to NWHLs in the, in the crease. I mean, Sergei Bobrovsky brought in on a big contract uh, when leaving Columbus, and he split games right now with, with Chris uh, Dreiger. What's that situation going to be like in the crease? Obviously, we're going to see difference in goaltending throughout the entire NHL with a shortened season and really compressed schedule right here as well, too. So it's going to be different from a typical 82-game season with how the goaltender splits. So how is it going to progress? Is it, do you think it's going to be 50-50, 60-40? What are you thinking in the net there? Yeah, I mean, I think Quinville's always been the type of coach where if you are playing well and you're earning it, then you're going to get the opportunity. But you mentioned it, you know, this is a totally unique season, especially us having games already being rescheduled. Things are going to be packed in this final stretch. So I think you're going to see a lot of, especially with back-to-back -back games, splitting of the net. 
you know, Bob obviously, you know, coming off a season that was not perfect for him adjusting, but I've seen him getting more and more comfortable with our system. But we have Drieger and, and he has been such a calm and just reliable presence for the incredible backstory that he has working his way up through the coast. He played on like 10 different teams over the course of seven or eight years. I mean, he's just very seasoned. And, you know, despite this being his first real NHL job, he certainly isn't showing it. And he's won us some big games, especially last year. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see something close to 50-50, 60-40, and, and obviously just hoping everyone stays healthy because at the end of the day, depth is huge right now and, and making sure that everyone's able to do their jobs is really important. So hoping that that's the situation. But, but I feel confident with both of those goaltenders, and I know the guys on the ice do too. And before we move on, just wanted to note that during the recording of this, yes, this is a pre-recorded segment, uh, we did receive word that NWHL was suspending the rest of the season due to COVID outbreak um, and NWHL with those teams. So Isabel Cup's not going to happen as is discussed here. So please take note of that. Uh, we still want to make sure we aired this part because Katie played a tremendous role in covering the NWHL during her time there with Twitch. And want to make sure you all were able to hear about her experience there and what she thought about uh, the tournament so far. So here's the conclusion of the interview with Katie Gauz of Fox Sports Florida and the NWHL. And Katie, switching gears over to the NWHL, it feels very fitting to have you on here today on the 35th annual National Girls and Women in Sports Day, um, especially during right now the current quest um, for the Isabel Cup. This is something that you recently wrapped up your coverage of um, as an analyst on. So right before NBC takes over, what has this been like for you personally so far? Um, what has this meant to you watching these women play professional hockey and also getting to cover it yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I announced that I was going to be doing this, I kind of touched on it, but my whole life, you know, I grew up playing and where I was in Pittsburgh, there wasn't girls hockey. I genuinely played on a boys team. I had to switch sports in high school because there wasn't a high school team. So I went to field hockey. I mean, it's, it's a real full circle moment because, you know, for myself, I loved the sport, loved it growing up and never got that opportunity. So to be, you know, now covering it as a professional, kind of having taken the other route and to see that women are able to play this at a high level, you know, to just be able to be a part of it and to see the success and the quality of the game too, because I think that's something that gets lost is, you know, this isn't just, you know, a pickup thing. These girls are good. These are really strong competitors. They're really talented hockey players. And, you know, I sort of maybe was even myself a little bit surprised when I covered my first game and saw the competitive level, the skill, the variety of backstories, just, it's a really awesome moment. But, you know, for me, it was definitely even sweeter just having had that background in hockey myself and to be covering it in, you know, in a career, you know, that I wasn't even really expecting to be in. It is really awesome. It's just, you know, really a cool moment. And sticking with the NWHL, I mean, into the semifinals now, it's obviously been one of those things where there's been some things going on where teams have had to, unfortunately, withdraw from the tournament, but still four left. And Toronto ends up with the number one seed and everything starts Tomorrow night, folks, February 4th, uh, and make sure you, you're going to be able to watch this on national TV as well. But Toronto ends up with that number one as the expansion team. Is that a surprise to you or just given the limited time, anything could happen? Just your overall thoughts and the way the seeding ended up for this tournament. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly had, you know, some hiccups and, and it's disappointing, of course, because a lot of the teams that weren't able to continue through the whole part, uh, through the whole season, are, you know, we're really strong and we're having really good seasons. But regardless of that, I'm not at all surprised to see Toronto in this position. 
they had to kind of get the kinks out in that first game together. And it's been honestly impressive ever since. They really haven't looked back. They've gotten better every game. They've got an incredible head coach, Digit Murphy, who brings in 20-plus years of experience coaching women's hockey. Uh, and they're just really having fun, which is just, I mean, I, you know, if you've seen it on Twitter, they're having fun with their post-game celebrations. I mean, this is a really loose team that's just happy to be, you know, in the league and playing and having this opportunity to be the first Canadian team to be a part of this. But, you know, between the speed and some of the players they were able to bring in, because obviously, you know, Canada's got – plenty of talent to go around and these girls were just waiting for a place to go and, and play it uh so you know everybody's talking about how the boston pride have really started to pick up speed and get get stronger and they've got the experience they've won it before i i personally think the six that's my pick and i said that the other day before we were you know even aware of all the different changes but i really feel like they have the heart they have the speed they have the skill so that would be at least my matchup would be six in boston you know in the final would be great to see that, that absolutely would be great. And what, what's been fun to watch too on the Twitch broadcast is the interaction that the chat room has had, just even just with yeah. the Zamboni driver <laughs> and, oh my and God. all the interactions that have been going on and to see the, what, over 30,000 uh, before I, on, on Twitch as well, just showing the demand and how people want to watch this game and how it's been really impressive there too. Just overall, your thoughts on why this has been so important as well for these streams to be available and especially for free to start, but then for NBC to be able to pick this up as well. What does that mean for the growth of this game? Yeah, it's huge. I think the biggest thing was just the accessibility to start having it be on Twitch and having anyone be able to watch it. You know, I think the biggest challenge they had was just spreading the word that, that's where you could see it, that that's where you could get it. But I think it brings in such a really unique environment with the ability, like you said, to interact in the chat. There are people when I've been broadcasting, you know, asking questions that are total non-hockey fans that are, oh, what's icing? You know, what's this? What's that? Like, how big is the ring? Um, and then obviously obsessed with the Zamboni, which if you hadn't watched hockey before, I could imagine would be pretty cool to see. <laughs> we all love the Zamboni. It's, it's the best, but um, it's just a really accepting and unique environment because whether you're a new fan or you're not, everyone's really just passionate and pushing for the same goal, which is, you know, growing the game, being able to see women's hockey. You know, if I was a little girl growing up and I was able to watch women, I think that would have been awesome. You know, I just had an NHL favorite, but now you can have girls that are picking women as their favorite players, which is a concept that is just really unique. And then, to have it on a platform like NBC Sports Network, putting it on people's televisions, having it be right there in your house, I feel like that really solidifies the presence of the league, where it's come and how much it's grown. And, and then it kind of sets a standard moving forward that whatever they do next, you know, that being on TV should be something that happens every single year. So certainly a really cool opportunity for exposure. And I know from talking to some of the players, they were pretty pumped about it, a little extra incentive to get to the final so they could get their uh, few minutes of fame on television as well. Absolutely. Well, very excited to watch it and so glad it's going to get that national TV coverage so even more people can be exposed to that. And so people can watch and young girls can watch and, and, and watch their future be on TV like that. So just really excited for it. And we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, Katie. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Looking forward to it. All right, Katie Gauze of... Fox Sports Florida, you can follow her on Twitter at Katie, K-A-T-I-E, sorry, <laughs> underscore G-A-U-S. I wanted to make sure I got the spelling right. She covers the Florida Panthers, just finished up a lot of coverage at NWHL. Obviously a great resource in hockey, Glenn, just to, to be able to have her come on the show like that. 
Yeah, it was fantastic. She's got great perspective. She's got a great analyst voice. Um, she just, oh, yeah. she, she gets it. She gets the game. She grew up playing hockey. Um, and it was very cool to listen to her talk about her experience growing up playing hockey. And then all of a sudden she's an analyst for the NWHL Isabel Cup. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when you want to talk about a full circle moment, Kate, that, that is, that's it. And it's, it it's so is. cool to hear that. So I'm really, really glad that we had her on, especially today of all days. So, all right, well, coming up next, let's talk high school hockey. It's the playoffs, the final coming up Preds cup playing for the state championship, Brentwood high school going for the four Pete. We have Nathan Zonerich coming to join us next year on penalty box here to ESPN one, two, five, the game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And let's switch modes and talk high school hockey. Big things going on. The state championship is right around the corner. Joining us now is Nathan Zonerich of the Brentwood High School hockey team. Nathan, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So this is a really exciting time, uh, but it's been a unique season. I mean, the, the pandemic season has been a little different and unique. Just what overall has it been like? I know a lot of work has been put into place by you, the players, the coaching staff, the staff in general, just to make sure the season got pulled off. So what does it mean to you that you're able to have a high school hockey season? I mean, it means the world to me. I mean, hockey, I've grown up playing hockey since I was a little kid, and I've always loved playing. And the unreal experience I've ex been able to experience the past two years winning two state championships back to back was insane and hoping to do that again, obviously. But I mean, the best part about it is just I get to have a fun season with my friends, my boys. And Nathan, you mentioned, you know, being hopeful of doing this again, Brentwood going for the four Pete. This feels wild. That's so incredible. What a feat. Um, so how does having that goal in mind, is that something that helps motivate you and your teammates, especially during this, like Justin mentioned, it's pandemic. There's a lot of different protocols going on. Um, so does having that goal in mind kind of help push you and your teammates? I think so. Yes, ma'am. Especially for the seniors. Like, you know, like I want to help the seniors, like all their four years, like they push through with, they have four rings and stuff like that. Because it, when the original, the first one of the three Pete was, I was in eighth grade, actually. I had 10, I was a fan. That time the next year I turn on being a player and got to experience it. So looking looking at this, so so folks know you were the leading scorer for Brentwood during the regular season, and currently in the playoffs in five games played, you have seven points. Six of those are helpers. So would you say are you the are you the setup guy mostly, or you, do you prefer I to score? describe myself more as a playmaker than a playmaker? Those are hey, those are good to have. It's important to have the playmakers, right? <laughs> Yeah, so to my teammates absolutely so you have a really talented team as well and you, there's plenty of guys on your team that are brothers as we see that that there's the Essenmachers, there's the Pastizis, there's there's the schmitz as well what's it been like with this team because we see so many legacy players playing on here and just being a part of something special where it i'm sure it really does feel like a family right Oh, it, it definitely does. I mean, you see each other in the hallway and stuff like that. It's like every hockey player like is good with every hockey player. Every, everyone is friends. We're like one big happy family. That, which is awesome. And, and again, folks, we're talking with uh, Nathan Zonerich of the Brentwood High School hockey team here, playing for the state championship against NBA coming up very, very soon. So looking, at, looking ahead at this too, we're going to have the state championship games against NBA. You guys – I don't want to say bitter rivals, but you guys have played each other a lot in terms of having things that count for a lot. What are you looking forward to against playing NBA? And it's a new look NBA team as they had a pretty darn good season as well. So what are you looking forward to in this matchup? 
They did. Honestly, I'm looking forward to I'm I'm friends with like all those kids and I'm just looking forward to having a good time like playing against them. I was really disappointed that they took away out uh the not the league play. This is the second half of the season, right? Yeah, like where you like play each other like to get yeah. seating, like the seating play. Yeah. Because it's always like it's always nice you have those extra games to kind of give and so you get to play those teams for everyone one more time to kind of see how you could jive with them and everything like that. But I'm really looking forward to playing against NBA and just the experience again, honestly. And, and you guys had a little bit of a different route to get to the state championship this year because you guys had to go into the elimination bracket this time yeah. and had to battle back into it. Does that give you guys more in terms of playing with a chip on your shoulder? And does that mean even more that you had to battle back in and overcome Mount Juliet to be able to get into the state championship? Yes, sir. I would say so. I mean, it's the first time that we've ever, I think a team's maybe made it to the state championship coming from the elimination round. And we did, especially it's now it's do or die now because you lose, we go home or if we win, then we got to win again. So let's go to that, that win against Mount Julia. And if any Mount Julia fans are listening, I'm sorry, we got to relive it. We got to recount it. (laughs) What an epic turn of events. And also that's playoff hockey right there, because for the folks that don't know, first of all, go watch it on penalty box here on Facebook because it was a fantastic game. You guys are able to tie it up with less than a minute remaining with the goaltender pulled, which is right there, just drama. And then you're able to win it in overtime. So have a, to, to come back and overcome a deficit like that. Just what were the emotions you're feeling during that game and right after it? It was unreal. Like I went home, I could not sleep. Like, I, I mean, the locker room was crazy. I mean, everyone was just fired up. Like, the adrenaline was through. Everyone was pumping. I mean, we had uh, under a minute left. We had a penalty shot. We missed. And and I went up to Cal. Because it was Callis and Mike. We missed. And I went up to him, and I was like, look. I said, we got you. I said, we're a team. We're your brothers. We all got your back. I said, no, you go line up on that side, and you shoot, and we're going to score. Because we're going to take an OT, and we're going to win. And then afterwards, I looked. I went straight to him. I said, I told you so. <laughs> We scored 3.9 seconds left, and it was it was unreal. The the mood on the bench was was pretty ridiculous to to see the, the celebration. I can only imagine if it would have been an arena full of fans, what the reaction would have been like there, right? It was crazy. We were there like a little student section of like six or eight people with like the expanded guests, extended mm-hmm. expanded guests, and stuff like that. And so and like. All those kids the next day at school were like, that was awesome. I was so glad I was there and was able to go and everything like that. And it was just, an, it was an unreal feeling. So I, I got to ask them because I remember last year's state championship game and, and obviously limited guests, but still some students will be able to go because the four per player limit. Will there be frozen shrimp being brought again to, to throw on the ice? <laughs> that one, I cannot tell you. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was a good time. <laughs> that was fun. There was a lot, there were two lobsters and shrimp. That was, that, was our, that was our celebration. But the epitome of, of, of uniqueness when it comes to fan celebrations of uh, Publix frozen shrimp and lobster. Hey, that sounds delicious right now. It, it's a meal, right? It's a celebration meal. So I, I know, Glenn, one of the things, especially because it's our first time talking with you, want to do some get to know you questions a little bit too to help the audience sure. get to know you. So I'll hand it back over to Glenn. All right, sounds good. All right, and then your best sports memory. My best sports memory? I would say like when I started growing up as a kid, but I say yet or Monday night was unreal. I've never felt that way before. And just winning, honestly, winning the state championship. I have so many. <laughs> Probably the state championships are a big one. Definitely. Great. First sporting event you remember going to as a child? As a child, the first sporting event I went to. It was my first Preds game. I was 
I think it was, I want to say eight, maybe. Love it. Nine. No, seven. Seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it was seven. Yeah. And I remember seeing Nash and like, I did not leave my seat ever. I literally sat there the whole time. I was like, you want snacks? And you go to the bathroom. I was like, nope. And I sat there content the entire time, watched the whole game through and with the biggest smile on my face and cheering so long. <laughs> oh, I love oh it. that's fantastic. I love, I love it. it. Mm-hmm. All right. So during quarantine, did you binge any television shows? And if so, what was it? Honestly, no, I really didn't. I, I'm more of an Xbox guy. I played a lot of, I played a lot okay. of video games. Okay. Cause I was going to ask your favorite hobby outside of hockey. So it'd be gaming. Probably lacrosse, honestly. Okay. I was hockey, but like at home hanging out, probably probably gaming. Yeah. Okay, I got I got to interject here then with lacrosse. Mm-hmm. So are you are you Canadian? You- <laughs> no, not <laughs> at a, all. It's a big crossover up there. I mean, I remember going to Peterborough, and it's more about lacrosse than it is the Peterborough Peets <laughs> up yeah. there. It's pretty crazy. So with gaming and everything too, what's your go-to game? I'm, I'm a big. I, during quarantine, I play I played a lot of Call of Duty. Um, Are- Right now, I'm kind of in the Rocket League, stuff like that. Okay. Rocket League has made a, a tremendous comeback, it seems. It, it goes, It goes in waves. Okay. <laughs> All right, Glenn, back to you. All right. Uh, an arena that you would love to play in one day? An arena I would love to play in one day. I mean, I would say the Miracle on Ice Arena, but I, I did get the honor of playing that rink. Oh. A couple of years ago, and that was amazing. I'm jealous. Oh my gosh, that's so fantastic! So yeah, you've done a lot. That was awesome. For being so young, you've you've, you've done a lot and accomplished a lot. That's awesome. Um, your favorite sports team growing up? Growing up, hockey team would be the Preds. Mm-hmm. Football team would be the Steelers. Okay. Those, those okay. are two I pretty much kept up with. He's, he's right, trying to make some friends and not a lot of friends at the same I, time. <laughs> <laughs> We call that riding on the fence. It's okay. Um, All right. And last but not least, favorite sports movie of all time. Oh, Miracle. Easy. Same. My man. My my man right there. That's I watched that movie probably I'd say once every two months. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It never gets old. It never it's so quotable too. It's Mm -hmm. I I think I memorized the entire Herbrook speech in that movie too. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Because who because who doesn't? Well, well, Nathan, we definitely appreciate you joining us and best of luck in, in the final. And I know everybody's going to be watching. You got a lot of people su- supporting you and behind you. And yeah, man, it's just fun hockey to watch. Brentwood has a tremendous team and amazing organization there with everything you guys put together. So good luck in the final, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Nathan Zonerich, Brentwood High School. Glenn, he, I'm glad we had him on the show. He's got a great personality. He's got a great personality and it's cool to hear of the things that he's done at such a young age. I know. It's always inspiring. It's it's crazy, especially a lot of these kids have been able to play travel hockey. The mm-hmm. experiences they've been able to play, whereas you have some adult beer leaguers that started playing when they were 30. <clears throat> me, <laughs> they haven't been able to play in some of these arenas. Like even these to, kids that have been able to play in like Lake Placid. They played in Toronto. They played in all these different places. Like, come on. We get to live vicariously through them and their stories. Hey, Miracle, Miracle is the selling point for me. He, he got me on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a Miracle crew here. We all agree on that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. All right. Well, up next, let's talk with Colby Collier of MD Media. He's also the organizer behind the Wish Cup, which is a charity hockey tournament in line and ice for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That's up next here on Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. Now, an exciting event that's coming up uh, in a few months as well, but signups are already currently happening right now, the Wish Cup. We have Colby Collier of the MD Media joining us right now. Colby, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm stoked to be here with you guys. 
So, I mean, you do so much stuff, not just with Wish Cup or hockey in general, but you do a lot of things where you're traveling all over the place with inline hockey, with ice hockey and recording everything. What's it been like pandemic wise? I mean, I'm sure that's been a little different in terms of being involved in this sport, but you're someone that's been involved with like Red Bull and traveling and everything. So have you still been traveling and doing all the stuff with hockey? Um, nowhere near as much as I did, I guess, pre-pandemic. Um, had more events canceled than I've been to. Um, some things are starting to open up. We're still doing some local tournaments. I've really gotten into roller. The roller scene in Nashville is just growing like crazy. So we've been doing some local tournaments and things are starting to, to pick back up a little bit. And Kobe, I want to dig into the Wish Cup. So I kind of want to take it back a little bit for people that are unfamiliar with it. Um, what's its origin? When, how did it start? And what is that ultimate goal? I know that um, the proceeds go to Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is awesome. So what's that ultimate goal in not only raising the funds, but raising awareness as well? Yeah, so uh, in the 18-19 season, um, Make-A-Wish Middle Tennessee, the Nashville Predators, the Nashville Predators Foundation, they all got together to grant my son Asher's wish. Um, and his, like, if you know anything about him, he's just hockey crazy. That's all he wants to do. His wish was to be a Nashville Predator. Um, they brought him in, signed him to a contract, um, let him practice with the team. He was in the team picture. Uh, they, they even gave us a suite for a game. So all of that, um, up to now, we wanted to do something to be able to keep him involved in the game and also be able to give back to the Make-A-Wish Foundation so they could give so they could grant other kids wishes. Um, I think the last time I talked to them, there's still 240 some kids right here in middle Tennessee that are waiting to have their wishes granted. Um, and they need funds to do that. So what we did is created a tournament series called the wish cup. So last year uh, it was a two tournament series, one roller, one ice tournament. And we were able to donate, uh, I believe it was right at $8,400 right to our local chapter here in middle Tennessee so that they can turn around and put those funds towards granting other kids wishes. Oh, I love that. It just feels so good. You know, like you said, there's 240 kids waiting and knowing that the money raised by this is going to those children. It, that warms my heart. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. They're, they're an awesome organization. They still keep Asher involved um, he, we talk to them, you know, probably weekly, if not monthly. And there's, there's still all kinds of things, even though he's had his wish granted, he's still involved in a lot of things that they're doing. And that's, that's absolutely fantastic. And what, what's the process been like to put together a tournament like this, especially when it's two sides of the sport of hockey, whether it's roller or ice, just what's that whole process been like for you? Um, last year, it was really hard. We had a lot of moving targets um, as far as dates are concerned. Um, we held the ice event at Ford Ice Center. They're great to work with. They're always go above and beyond for anything that we need. Um, the ice event went off really without a hitch. Uh, the roller event we had some trouble with as far as venue. Um, I think we got, you know, three weeks before the event last year. And then we were told we can't have the event uh, where we were going to have it due to COVID regulations for the local government. So we reached out to uh, the Blast organization. It's another youth hockey organization here in Middle Tennessee. Um, and we went out and essentially had a cleanup day at one of their rinks um, and then held it. And it like, it was great. It went off great. That's awesome. So the roller tournament this year is taking place May 20 to 30th. And that's going to be in Huntington, Tennessee at the Bethel Wildcats hockey facility. And then the ice version is going to be here in Nashville, July 23rd to 26th. 
2021 that's going to be here in Nashville. So how do people find more information about these? Because I'm sure there's plenty of players that listen here that may not even heard of it. I don't know how because it's in all the groups and most hockey players. are in <laughs> the groups. But if they somehow have missed it, how do they get more information on how to set up their team or themselves? Um, easiest way is through our social account. It's the wish cup on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, the link to sign up for the event is right there in the bio. Um, or if you guys have specific questions to reach out directly to me on social media, I'm happy to, to answer whatever comes up. And from what I've seen too, the jerseys are pretty nice, right? Yeah. The jerseys <laughs> we've, we're, we're going a different route this year. So last year it was a draft tournament for the ice event this year, um, for both events, it's a kind of like a bring your own team tournament. Um, and we've filled probably close to half of the available slots for both the ice and the roller event. So this event will sell out. Um, and we're, we're on pace to over double our donation from last year. Wow. That, that is fantastic. And so Asher, we see so many update videos on him. The kid has a wicked backhand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he does. It's, well, it's funny because like, I, I, he didn't learn it from me because my backhand <laughs> is terrible. Um, if you've ever seen, you know, kids hold a hockey stick, you, there's one way that you hold it, but he holds his top hand differently because of the left side of his body is so weak. And I guess that's how he gets all that force on a puck. And I mean, it's amazing to watch him skate and play. It, it truly is. I mean, so folks, make sure you're following just on social media because Colby's always posting little clips and things like that. It's it's really cool. And to switch into the MD media side of things too, it's you're being you're able to highlight different parts of the sports that don't always get highlighted, uh, especially when it comes to roller, because I don't think people understand how big roller and inline really is internationally, even no. then, then it gets credit for, and you see some of these tournaments, how big is roller, especially because we don't hear about it much here in middle Tennessee and other parts of the country as well. How big is roller hockey throughout the world? It's crazy. Um, so 2019, summer of 2019, we went to Barcelona with team USA and they had stadiums filled like you would go see um, local college games here or like or major colleges here in the U.S. Like they would have just as many fans and they would be just as just as rowdy. I mean, it, it was crazy. It's like walking into a Preds game. <laughs> it's, uh, you never expect that with with roller. Of course, I wasn't introduced to it like that, but it was it's, it's wild. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. And and, it, and this the sport is really growing here. I think quarantine really brought that out in a lot of people that that either played ice or used to play roller because they couldn't get ice anywhere. So, I mean, we spent weeks in front of my house just skating around, took the net out to the road and and burned through I can't even tell you how many sets of wheels we went through just It's crazy. It, Making it's, the most of the pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And what everybody knows they're different, but there's some similarities, plenty of differences. What would you say is the one thing that stands out to you? Because you play both and very competitively as well, ice and roller. What is one thing that stands out to you that is different between the two uh, things that people may not realize? Um, big difference is, is just the vibe, in my opinion. Like, it, it's fun to go to these tournaments, but I feel like roller is a lot more laid back. Um, we went to a tournament just a couple weeks ago down in, in Snellville, it's right outside of Atlanta, and it's just a fun time to be with your friends for a weekend, and it's just, it's just a really laid back atmosphere. And I'm going to put you on the spot here because you work a lot with trick shot people. 
people that are really good with trick shots <laughs> and have lots of skills, high end skill sets. Who's the best? Oh man. Um, I would honestly say it's a toss up between John Chavo and Pavel Barber. Like those guys, like it's in, it's insane watching them. Like I wouldn't even know where to start to, to pull off some of these moves that they do. I, 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 knew, I figured those would be your two top answers and you'd have to say, Oh, it's a split, but I want to yeah. see if you, you, you'd be able to pick one. Sidney <laughs> uh, Crosby tried to do the Michigan, but he oh, tried to yeah. do it on his backhand. How, how impressive is that? Because even just getting on the forehand as any hockey player is difficult enough, right? Being behind, it's not even, not even just impressive that he did it behind the net, but thinking in a game sense, like if I'm behind the net and I have the puck, I'm freaking out because I got to get rid of it. Not, not, not thinking how can I flip this on my backhand and attempt it to get in the net? Like the, the thought process and being able to slow the game down that much is just as impressive, if not more impressive than the trick itself. Absolutely right. Well, well, Colby, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us. And folks, make sure the Wish Cup, you can find that on Instagram and Facebook, all the information there. If you have a team you want to bring, whether it's roller or ice, just find all the information there and Colby can hook you up with more information. Just remember when you're playing this tournament, you're doing good and helping out kids that are in need and making those wishes come true. So Colby, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Great things going on there, Glenn, with the with the Wish Cup. I know Colby puts a lot of work into that, and he's very proud of the product that he's presenting with the Wish Cup. And Asher, he is one awesome dude. He is. I've seen him on countless occasions, and the way that he interacts with the Preds players—I mean, he just—he runs up, high fives them, gives them a hug, like like they're like they've been friends his whole life. Um, he's truly, truly—he's a joy to be around. And hearing Colby talk about the importance of the money that is raised in this and the awareness. I mean, when you're combining helping others and hockey, especially the hockey fans in Nashville, like that's hard to beat. So it's truly, truly remarkable what he's put together, what he's done. Um, and you'd love to see it grow. And I love that he said that they're expecting double yeah. what they brought in last year, um, which is so incredible. Um, so you think that's during a pandemic and then you try to think over the next few years what this could possibly bring to Make-A-Wish. It's huge. It is huge. And I got to share my favorite Asher moment. Mm -hmm. So last year at the Winter Classic, mm -hmm. uh, Colby is, they're at the same hotel as us and in, in downtown Dallas. And we're all getting ready to go to the tram to go to the stadium at the same time. So it's like, you know, a plethora of Preds fans and ended up seeing mm -hmm. them down there. So him and his family and Asher sees me and runs up to me. And this is like one of those make your heart melt moments. Asher takes my hand and we, he holds my hand all the way to the train station walking oh. together. It was like my favorite moment. It's like, buddy, <laughs> thank know. you. Love you too, man. That's, oh. that's one of my favorite moments right there because the kid is just so full of love, love for people and love for the sport of hockey. Oh my goodness. I think he wears Colby out sometimes with how much he just wants to go and have the stick in his hand and, and shoot some pucks. So yep. it is just awesome the kid the way that kid loves hockey. Um, so this is obviously helping other kids see the loves that they have and whatever they want for their wish and just can't support that enough. So make sure again, Facebook, Instagram, the Wish Cup. He's posting on all those different hockey groups. If you're a part of them, it's a great event to be a part of. They have a lot of fun. It's very organized as well, and he makes sure that you have a good time. So Glenn, as always, good show. Thank you again. It was fun. Always a blast, Justin. As always. All right, folks, more information. Remember, we have G Nash playoffs coming up as well. You can watch the broadcast on Penalty Box Radio Facebook. 
post-game interviews, uh, day-off interviews with Predators players that we have because we have fun Zoom access there. You can catch those at PenaltyBoxRadio.com or Twitter and Facebook. So for Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.